Hello and welcome to Rightfully So, your podcast for first-year writing students, where we discuss all of the tips, tricks, challenges, and, and other aspects of writing that you might experience in the first-year college writing classroom. So this week's episode is, is sort of continuing the discussion uh, that we were having in the previous episode about critical thinking. Uh, but we're going to be focusing on the other side of that coin. So the critical thinking was really about moving past those sort of simple surface level observations that we might make about a text or a subject and, and learning how to sort of um, interrogate it a little bit and, and learn more about the text, um, sort of arrive at conclusions about the text. And then this week, we want to talk about what do you do once you've arrived at those conclusions? In other words, how do we express those conclusions in writing effectively? Um, how do we you know, as, as we were saying last week, how do we quote, go deeper? Um, how do we be, how do we become scuba divers instead of jet skiers or snorkelers? So, uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, what your instructor means when they say, I would really like you to see you go deeper on this. Um, what does deeper actually mean? Right. Cause it's a weird thing to say about writing. It's, it's two dimensional. There is no depth. Right. Um, so, so what does your instructor mean when they say, I'd like you to see you go deeper on this? Um, how do we, what are some of the, the techniques maybe that we could use? Um, how do we move beyond some of the more limiting like scaffolding um, strategies that we might have for ourselves to sort of get to what I would call a more authentic or genuine expression in our writing? And um, maybe just come up with different ways about thinking of the particular challenge of um, presenting our assertions and defending them Effectively. So uh, once again, I'm joined by Carrie and Jeanette, and I think I'll just open up the forum for discussion here. Um, what would you like to share with our listeners? When you were talking, I was thinking about how by the time a, like a essay's final, final, um, I am expecting it to flow together. And that's part of that uh, critical thinking coming you know, to fruition, right? Like this is where, this is this is the goal. This is the finish line, right? Um, but that flow doesn't actually naturally happen in the first draft. Um, in fact, organization typically is not there. And so it's, it's, I think one of those things where we tend to think of, okay, so we want you to go deeper, but we're talking about this sort of, the like I said, a finish line, right? You know, and, the, the steps in between um, can vary, um, but really ultimately part of it for me in, in thinking about it is just a focus on organizing. However that plays out as you know individual writers, um, what works for you, right? Like, because for some writers, it is literally an outline and that works the best. And that's like, that's gonna help the most in terms of connecting each sentence together, right? Like, so having that flow in your writing um, and for it to naturally make sense one sentence to the next. But again, that doesn't happen just immediately, right? Like that takes some time in terms of moving, you know, from the sort of early, like I'm thinking all these things and then putting it in an order that makes sense. I, yeah, and that actually made me think of a of kind of a metaphor because I was trying to think of how to describe that. 
um, that effect. And I, you started to kind of say connecting the points. And I thought of those connect the dot pictures where you're looking at the dots and you can kind of tell what it is. You're like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is a cat. Like, I feel like that's kind of where this is going. And then the process of actually drawing the lines is what we want in the final product. That doesn't happen in the first draft. Like you said, Jeanette, like that's not what comes first. So first it's a matter of you know, finding the dots and kind of placing them where you think that they might go. And then what we want to see in that final prompt in that final draft is the line that connects them all. So it's, it's the actual explanation that leads us from this point to that point and kind of walking us through that, that thought process. Um, I think that's the key that, that a lot of students kind of skip on because in their minds, they they know the conclusion. They know where they're going. They know their own thesis. And so they're just kind of like, well, yeah, because it shows this. And it's like, but we're not in your head. We don't know how you got there. So you have to kind of, and I say walk, I always give this analogy of pretend like you're walking down the street with someone and you have to hold their hands and walk them each step to show them how you got to that conclusion. And so I think in that kind of sense, it's more of a matter of of like you said, uh, the explanation or the pacing of the logic of how we got there is the part that we want to see the expanding on. That's when we say expand or when we say go more in depth here, it's it's we need more of that walkthrough um, to, to take place, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, when Jeanette was, was talking, I, I took notes and then Carrie basically touched on all the things that I put in my notes, which is, you know, that that first draft is usually just the writer expressing their initial ideas right and and it's i'll see students they they basically write self-contained paragraphs that can be put in sort of like any random order and without changing the readability of the essay because really what they're doing is they're trying to establish their assertions and they're trying to find the evidence for those assertions and they're sort of like putting all of those pieces together but it's an incomplete puzzle right it's like sort of like doing the outside border and then you got like random chunks in the middle and i feel like that's what they've done they've They've carefully established the border because they have their introduction and they think they know what their conclusion is going to be. But then they're doing a little bit of sky and a little bit of rocks. And, you know, there's the unicorn over there in the corner because those pieces are easy to find and put together. But there's we don't have that that cohesive picture yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, students often stop writing too soon. Like once they have those complete paragraphs, they're like, no, Mr. Grazer, I have an introduction. I have a conclusion. I have complete body paragraphs all the way through. I'm like, but you don't have an argument. <laughs> Um, I can do whatever I want with these paragraphs and it does zero to affect the readability. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I think this expectation on, on the instructor side that there is a certain sort of complexity of, of thought in the organization. Right. And I tell my students, I'm always looking for a progression from the introduction to the conclusion, right. That paragraph two is building on, or is connected to paragraph one, paragraph three, maybe references paragraph two, and then sets us up for paragraph four. Paragraph four might be a transition to get us ready for paragraph five. Paragraph five is going to, you know, allude to the thesis statement, but, you know, and you get the feeling that you're sort of building to something and that if you took paragraph five and you put it before paragraph one, guess what? Essay is unreadable. Can't be done. See students get there. I think the ones who are more um, natural writers, I think, get there a little bit quicker um, because that's sort of how their brains already function. Like I know when I write a rough draft essay, I tend to start with the introduction and just write it contiguously all the way through, but that's, but that's how I think, right? Like I can see the whole argument already. So for me, it's just a matter of, you know, connecting the dots I know already exist uh, in a fashion that already, already works. And I think for a lot of students, that just isn't the case, right? So it's a little challenging. 
Um, the other aspect of, of um, going deeper that I try to encourage students on is, is the expression of their, their argument. So in other words, sometimes they're a little too dependent, I think, on scaffolding, um, things like axes, where axes is a great tool, right? It tells us what the different parts of the paragraph are. It suggests how those different parts sort of work together, but then students sort of lean too heavily on that structure and they write these really formulaic paragraphs and believe that just because they've checked the boxes, that's a good paragraph. But that isn't necessarily the case. Um, you know, before we started recording this, when I was talking sort of about how students will give me an example of, uh, you know, oh, in the text, it says the curtains by the window were blue. And then, you know, actually says you need to have some sort of explanation for your reader as to why, you know, why is this example in this paragraph? And they go, oh, well, the author was trying to show that the curtains were blue because blue was the color of the curtains. And I'm like, okay, so you're checking the boxes. You've made an assertion. You gave me an example but your explanation doesn't really add anything to the paragraph. It's simply restating what was in the quoted material. So as a reader, I still don't quite understand why this information is in your essay and why it's significant, right? Okay, well, hey, the essence in Axie stands for significant. Great, tell me why it's significant. Well, the author wanted us to know that the curtains were blue. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> But that that is a jet ski paragraph, man. That thing is right there just zooming along the surface. You checked all of the boxes. Fantastic. You know how Axes works. But I would like to see a little more complexity, right? I would like to see your thinking at work. So, you know, then it becomes, well, how does that example, you know, maybe you have to think about it is how does that example support your thesis statement? What, what, what are you trying to argue in the first place? Um, and then maybe the explanation is really about how that example supports your assertion explain it to me like i'm five i try and use that phrase in the classroom sometimes i'm like hey i'm the reader i haven't shared your experience i didn't necessarily read this with you so you can't make the assumption that i know everything that you know and a lot of your writing is assuming i know everything that you know um and that's not helpful as a reader i get left behind a lot so explain it to me like i'm five give me your assertion and then explain your reasoning and if you have to if it helps use i Use the narrative voice. Hey, I chose this because blah, 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 blah. Because when you get to the next revision, you can start taking out those I statements. You can start taking out the justs and maybes and I thoughts and replace them with more assertive language. I think that's a really important point that you brought up, Bill, about assuming that your professor will know, right? Like so, and, and that's generally an, an assumption that's made, and, and it makes sense, right? Like you're, your instructor might have even lectured about part of what you have. And so it's like, of course your instructor knows, you know, it doesn't need the explanation. But when you're writing, generally speaking, the audience isn't just your professor, right? Like, and we won't know that you understood unless it's there, you know? And so it's like, I think that's where it gets tough because it's like where, it's like, who am I envisioning is actually reading this? And I think, the easy assumption or the quick assumption or the automatic one is that my professor doesn't need this explanation because they already know. Um, and so that's tricky. And then you were talking about something that made me think of these terms that we throw out, a logical progression of ideas. 
um, taking some intellectual risks. And I feel like those are things that I don't know if we need to define those better, but like that, to me, that's that's where that was headed. And when you were talking about axes, um, it's interesting because some writers, I've often gotten the question, can I have two topic sentences? Can I have like two assertions kind of? Um, and it's interesting because I think sometimes writers too like need it's like it, you can get trapped in the structure of axes, right? Like it is helpful, but then it's like, don't be bound by it, right? Like you can, you, you can do some things with it that move beyond it because sometimes your, your assertion does actually need what seems like a second topic sentence that helps with the flow to your evidence, right? Like, so it's like, I think that's where we're kind of just asking students to like, think about it right like be like really kind of spend some time with it i i think that and maybe this is also a discussion that will bleed into a, a bleed bleed uh into um our discussion on paragraphs and stuff like that but but the idea is is that those paragraph structures are not meant to be de so definitive right it's it's a um, they're training wheels, really. When you're truly struggling with how to organize your thoughts, this is a tool that you can use. Take it out, use it, you know, and that's and that's a good backup to have. I think what's important for students to remember is that the key components of the paragraph is really what we're looking for. It doesn't necessarily need to be laid out in that exact specific format or you know so many sentences per section. It's more in the sense of have you given me some sort of assertion? Are we moving forward with this paragraph? Are you giving me solid examples? And are you explaining them? I'm like, those are kind of the three components that we just want to see in your paragraph. If you mix it up a little, you know, depending on the order, that's fine. But we just want to make sure that they are there. Um, and that's kind of the key to, to remembering it. And I think for a lot of students too, I think part of the well, I guess a warning for students listening, <laughs> warning. Uh, we can tell when, when you start to kind of lose your sense or lose your way in the process of writing when you do start to do that repetition that like you, you know, Bill were talking about with the, the curtains are blue, the curtains blue, this quote says the curtains are blue, so the curtains must be blue. Like we can tell that you, that you kind of hit a roadblock. <laughs> we, we can tell when writer's block has taken effect because we start to see just that repetition and it's, and it's not effective. It's not going anywhere. And so that's where we, that's where you're going to see the criticism on your essay to say, okay, you're repeating the same thing. There's some redundancies. Where do we go? You know, you need to go more in depth. You need to expand. And so, um, you know, so when you start to see yourself doing that, that's probably the signal to stop, uh, collaborate and listen. No, I don't know. Uh, but just stop. <laughs> yeah. That repetition is definitely where I start using things like expand, explore, go deeper. Um, because it's, I call it treading water. The writer is just treading water. Um, they're trying to pad the essay a little bit, um, get that word count up so they meet the page requirement, but they're not really adding anything to the essay. So there's no progression, right? The essay stops. They're they're just treading water. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking of as, as you guys were, were all talking was that um, a lot of times we ask because we want to see the student demonstrate understanding. And if you can't demonstrate how you arrived at your conclusion, we can't assume that you necessarily understood, right? Um, it's really easy to sort of fall back on 
um, cliches and aphorisms and like shorthand, like, you know, stereotyping is bad and, and the author used stereotypes and, and therefore this is like bad writing. Like, is it like, do you really understand? Or are you just sort of like this sentence made me think of something I heard in high school. And so that's going to be my go-to argument, but you can't really explain how it's applicable. Right. Um, and that's another thing I see when students can't either don't use evidence effectively or they can't explain their use of evidence effectively. So they have their assertion, they have their example, but then the paragraph sort of falls apart, right? So in other words, it was one of those things like an unconscious sort of response to the text and they sort of put these two things together. And sometimes it's as simple as their assertion and the example have common language. Like the same words are in both. They're like, well, these obvious things are obviously related because they both say, you know, X and Y. I'm like, I, I would like you to explore this more because I, as the reader, I'm saying, I don't see how these two things are related, but I'm, I'm always hesitant to sort of use that language because it feels like I'm judging the writer, right? And students are going to be sensitive to that because they're already not feeling terribly confident in their writing. So I'll say things like, Hey, could you explore this a little bit more, which is sort of like code for, are you sure these two things go together? Uh, cause I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> It's true. And I, and I think that that's where kind of circling back to kind of what we were talking about before the fact that drafting is, is really what's key in this part um, to actually apply the critical thinking into the writing doesn't happen for some people. It, you know, for some strong writers, maybe it does happen when they can sit down and just kind of go through a paragraph and it, and they're, they know the direction that they're, that they want to take. They have that understanding of that conclusion. So they know exactly where they're going. So they can kind of, you know, walk us through it, but not every paragraph is going to be so seamless. Um, and there are many times when some paragraphs really are a struggle to write because you're still not maybe totally sure about your conclusion too, you know, so it's kind of trying to feel your way through it. And I think that that's where drafting is essential um, in making sure that you are establishing logic, a logical flow uh, within your explanation of that concept. Um, and I, I think this feels like a good spot too, um, since I just explained what I meant by saying expand on and go deeper, which is as a student, if you get feedback on your paper that you do not understand, ask. I can't think of any instructor that's going to get offended if you're like, I don't quite understand what you meant by this, right? And I feel like sometimes students might get a little exasperated or numb to certain feedback because I feel like instructors, we all tend to use the same language sometimes. Again, the explore, expand, go deeper, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh my God, I've seen this a million times, which I would stop the person and be like, if you've seen it a million times, what have you done to act on it? <laughs> and, and if it's like you've never acted on it because you don't understand, then maybe the next actionable step is to simply ask the instructor what they meant. I know I'm one of those instructors that the minute you ask me one question, I will then talk your ear off for 30 minutes and you never have to say another word. And I'll explain my rationale. I'll give you more examples than you know what to do with. I'll probably pull up like a PowerPoint or something, like give you a YouTube video link. I will give you more information that you could have possibly ever wanted on the subject. So maybe that's the next step, right? If you're getting these comments from your instructors, expand, explore, go deeper, maybe just ask what they meant, right? Um, and, and that may help get you sort of over that hump. Uh, if your instructor isn't accessible or you're sort of anxious about asking them, the writing center is another great resource. You can take your feedback into the writing center and say, 
chances are they're already familiar with your instructor's feedback. A lot of us instructors have been working at the same campus for forever and they can probably be your Rosetta Stone and be like, oh, uh, Mr. Grazier, this is what he's really saying, right? And then give you maybe some next steps, right? Uh, any other helpful hints before we, we wrap up the episode for this week? I do like you're your just kind of bringing it back to the writing center and just getting that feedback because so much happens in a discussion. Um, I feel like sometimes when I ask students, I'll say, well, why did you feel like this example was, was important to include in your essay? Like, why did you note it in your notes and then put it in? And then just them kind of saying, well, because it da, da, da. And then all of a sudden they're saying exactly what I wanted to see in the paper. And I'm like, yes, that, do that in here. <laughs> so so that's that's a major part of it is that sometimes, sometimes for people um, articulating that logical thought process comes you know, sometimes it becomes more naturally in a conversation type of setting first. So if you sat down to write your essay and you didn't talk to anybody about your ideas and you felt like your essay was kind of struggling, maybe have those conversations because those conversations could be the tool that you needed to then translate it onto the page. Um, so definitely talk to instructors, talk to the writing center, have that verbal conversation if that's going to be the way that kind of gets you to the point of explaining your ideas thoroughly. That's a really good point because we don't know in our heads, like whether or not we've explained enough until we've gotten some feedback from someone, you know, we have a reader, right? Like, so, um, I think both, you know, both of you are talking about this, like this idea that it's like, ask your instructor to go to the writing center, have this conversation, ask your roommate. I mean, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, it's like, because that's the nature of writing. We need feedback um, in order to know, like, does this make sense as a reader? Yeah, the reader is always theoretical until they're not, right? <laughs> um, that feels like a great place to end it. I will say that um, we touched on a couple of things this episode that uh, we have earlier podcasts from last season that go more in depth to you. So um, creativity in writing and academic writing talks about the critical thinking aspect and sort of bringing in um, outside connections into your own writing. And then uh, the role of conversation in writing. We have a whole episode with Cal State San Marcos's um, director of the writing center who talks about specifically that, like going in and having a conversation and using that as a sounding board and as a jumping off point for a writing project. Um, and it applies equally well to instructor feedback. So um, I feel like we've given you a ton of great information to think about, uh, things to sort of reflect upon critically. Uh, so now it's time to just get out there and write something.